today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The Lord sends Jeremiah to him and says, I'm not going to let anything happen to you because you put your trust in me. And here's the thing. Anyone who puts their trust in the Lord will never, I mean never be disappointed. You will never be let down. When you have faith in God and trust in God, that's it. I know that's deeply profound. That's the only thing I can say. You are listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Your faith in God will never return to you void. He'll be there when you need Him, when your heart's truly set on Him. Today, Pastor J.D. is going to encourage you to remember to hope in Jesus in times when you don't know what to do. You won't be disappointed. God knows when you're being faithful to Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 39, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Jeremiah is told by the Lord to go to him with a word from the Lord. And what is that word? Go to him saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring my words upon this city for adversity, and not for good. It's not a good word. (laughs) And they shall be performed in that day before you. But, ah, verse 17, I will deliver you in that day, says the Lord. And you shall not be given into the hand of the men of whom you are afraid, which means that he feared what they would do to him. Now that The final siege has taken place. They've broken through the wall, taken captive. This is the final, final, the end. And certainly he would have every cause, every reason to fear what's going to come upon him, what's going to happen to him, but God sends Jeremiah with this word to him, and he says, verse 18, For I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life, listen to this, shall be as a prize to you. Why? Ah, because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. Wow. I mean, hey, this Ethiopian, again, he's an Ethiopian. He may not be a Babylonian, but he's an Ethiopian. Do you remember what he did when he put his trust in the Lord? He trusted the Lord against all odds, with great cost to his own personal safety. He put his trust in the Lord and stood alone and in effect saved Jeremiah's life. And God's like, "Um, (laughs) I honor that. I acknowledge that. I'm going to bless that. I'm going to reward you for that. 
I'm going to give you a prize for that, because that was faith. That was trust. And that's how it ends for Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian. And that's how it ends for all of those like him. God will never be a debtor to anyone. When you do what he did as unto the Lord, with such faith as this, this in the Gospels I'm always taken back by how moved the Savior is when he comes upon someone who has faith. He'll even stop everything and draw attention to that individual, and will even say things like, I have never seen such faith as this in all of Israel. Or how about this, uh, your faith has healed you. Faith? Yeah, that's what he did. That's what he had. You know in Hebrews, and we studied this in our verse by verse study through Hebrews, which was a very intense book, amazing book of course. Of course I know I say that about all the books in the Bible, they're all amazing, but there's that one verse, you know it well, without faith, without faith it is impossible to please God. But let's flip that around. If without faith it's impossible to please God, then that means that with faith it's possible to please God. And that's exactly what he did. How pleasing to God was this. It was so pleasing that the Lord would send Jeremiah, and at a time when he probably needed it the most, he's probably terrified, again rightfully so, just with a dread of fear about what's going to happen to him. And the Lord sends Jeremiah to him and says, I'm not going to let anything happen to you because you put your trust in me. And here's the thing, anyone who puts their trust in the Lord will never, I mean never be disappointed. You will never be let down. When you have faith in God and trust in God, that's it. I know that's deeply profound. That's the only thing I can say. Chapter 40, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had let him go from Ramah, when he had taken him bound in chains among all who were carried away captive from Jerusalem and Judah, who were carried away captive to Babylon. And verse 2, the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, The Lord your God has pronounced this doom on this place. You'll forgive me for chuckling. I think you'll see why here in a moment. Now the Lord has brought it and has done just as he said, because you people have sinned against the Lord and not obeyed his voice. Therefore this thing has come upon you. And now look, I free you, he's talking to Jeremiah, I free you this day from the chains that were on your hand. If it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon, come, and I will look after you, will take care of you. But if it seems wrong for you to come with me to Babylon, remain here. See, all the land is before you. Wherever it seems good and convenient for you to go, go there. Now while Jeremiah, verse 5, had not yet gone back, 
Nebuzaradan said, Go back to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon has made governor over the cities of Judah, and dwell with him among the people. Or (laughs) go wherever it seems convenient for you to go. Jeremiah, whatever you want, man. Just do whatever you want. You're free. Just whatever you want. Consider it done. So the captain of the guard gave him rations and a gift and let him go. That's huge, by the way. Remember now, Jeremiah is probably, well, he's, he's in his 60s at the very least, which is not like 60 today, thank God, because I'm 60. <laughs> I mean, that was a hard life back then, and so it was more like 80s or even 90s. So he's an aged man, and got the scars to prove it, all that he's been through, all the beatings, all the imprisonments. So And he's probably lost a lot of weight by now, not by choice. He's very weak, frail. And so they give him rations and a gift, and they let him go. Then Jeremiah went, verse 6, to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, to Mizpah, and dwelt with him among the people who were left in the land. And verse 7 went, all the captains of the armies who were in the fields, they and their men, heard that the king of Babylon had made Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, governor in the land, and had committed to him men, women, children, and the poorest of the land, who had not been carried away captive to Babylon. Then they came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. Now, we're going to be introduced to these guys, and I want you to pay particular attention to the first one here. Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah. Johanan. And Jonathan, the sons of Kariah, Saraiah, the son of Tanhumath, the sons of Ephe, the Netophathite, and Jezaniah, the son of the Machathite. Oh, that's a, I just cleared my throat on that one. They and their men. And Gedaliah. Now, let me just kind of explain something here. It's going to be germane to our understanding. This Gedaliah now was appointed by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to oversee and govern Judah and the people that remained, including now Jeremiah. So he's now been installed by Babylon to govern over Judah. So we're told that he took an oath before them and their men, saying, Do not be afraid to serve the Chaldeans. Dwell in the land, speaking of Judah, and serve the king of Babylon, and it shall be well with you. It's exactly what Jeremiah said, and they fought against it. As for me, verse 10, I will indeed dwell at Mizpah and serve the Chaldeans who come to us, but you gather wine and summer fruit and oil, Put them in your vessels and dwell in your cities that you have taken. Likewise, when all the Jews who were in Moab, this would be modern-day Jordan, bordering Israel, among the Ammonites in Edom, again, this is the Edomites, the descendants of Esau, the fraternal twin brother of Jacob. So, in Edom, and who were in all the countries, heard that the king of Babylon had left a remnant of Judah, and 
that he has set over them Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan. Then all the Jews returned, verse 12, out of all the places where they had been driven and came to the land of Judah to Gedaliah at Mizpah and gathered wine and summer fruit in abundance. Could you imagine how they must have felt right about now? All right, it's it's safe to go back now. And we're going to have some wine to drink, some fruits to eat. Moreover, verse 13, Jahanan, the son of Kareya, and all the captains of the forces that were in the fields came to get Eliah at Mizpah and said to him, now I want you to listen very carefully because this is really important. Do you certainly know that Baalis, the king of the Ammonites, has sent Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, to murder you? But Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, did not believe them. Then Jehanan, the son of Kareiah, spoke secretly to Gedaliah in Mizpah, saying, so now after Gedaliah says, no, I, I don't believe that. Jehanan goes to him separately, privately, and says, Gedaliah, let me go please, and I will kill Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and no one will know it. Why should he murder you, so that all the Jews who are gathered to you would be scattered and the remnant in Judah perish? But, ah, this is horrible. Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, said to Jehanan, the son of Kareiah, You shall not do this thing, for you speak falsely concerning Ishmael. I spent a little bit of time just kind of inquiring of the Lord concerning this Gedaliah. I mean, this guy, doubtless he loved God was faithful to God, served God, but regrettably he had what I'm going to refer to in a twofold way as an innocent naivete, and even secondly an ignorant naivete. And as we'll see in the next chapter, this does not end well for him. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I do want to draw your attention to something that is again very important here. And this is another why question that we really need to ask because it really applies to where we're at today. Question, why would Gedaliah refuse to believe that this Ishmael could be so evil as to want to murder him. Again, under the banner of this innocent and even ignorant naivete, I wonder if he had bought into this notion that nobody could be that evil. You see where I'm going with this? And By the way, spoiler alert, he will perish at the hands of Ishmael, who, by the way, again, we're going to see this in a moment, he was a descendant of King David, which may be another reason why Gedaliah was so 
against any idea of this guy doing anything like that. There's no way. No one's that evil. Oh yes, they are, and yes, he is. Um, Gedaliah, I'm trying to speak truth into your life, whether you want to hear it or not. But this man is evil, and he wants to kill you. And I know you don't believe it, but it's the truth. And how many people, and I'll just leave it at this, and I'll leave it with the Holy Spirit, to do that which only He can in taking this further and making application to our lives today. But how many people have died unnecessarily? It ended in their death because of said ignorant naivete, and it cost them their life. Well, this is evil. They want to kill you. They want to depopulate. This is evil through and through. And you don't believe it? Because to you, your world doesn't allow for that. No, I I don't believe. I trust this guy. You trust him? Oh, do you trust the science? Did I take it too far? I probably did. I'll find out soon enough. (laughs) So will you too, by the way. But whatever, whatever. It's true. This is Ishmael. The name alone, by the way, associated with the flesh. That should tell you something right there. This guy is so evil, and we're going to see the unthinkable evil, the unspeakable evil that he is going to mete out as he murders this ignorant and naive Gedaliah. Chapter 41. Yeah. Oh, you have little faith. (laughs) Now, verse 1, it came to pass in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Elishama, of the royal family, there it is, and of the officers of the king. By the way, he probably had bitterness and resentment feeling slighted that he wasn't set as governor over Judah instead of Gedaliah. He's not royal. He's not of the lineage of David. I am. You're appointing him? Well, he came with ten men to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam at Mizpah. And there they ate bread together in Mizpah. Now, I need to insert here something very important. In the Middle East, in that day, and certainly to this day, when you eat at the table with someone and break bread with someone. It is an intimate bonding with someone who now you are loyal to for life unto death. So for him to do this this way, he is at Gedaliah's home and he's breaking bread with him. And it's supposed to be a common union, communion. We're one together, breaking bread together. It's a common union together. Then, verse 2, Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, 
And the ten men who were with him arose and struck Gedaliah the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, with the sword and killed him whom the king of Babylon had made governor over the land. It doesn't get any more evil than that. Ishmael, verse 3, also struck down all the Jews who were with him, that is with Gedaliah at Mizpah and the Chaldeans who were found there, the men of war. And it happened, verse 4, on the second day after he had killed Gedaliah, when as yet no one knew it, that certain men came from Shechem, from Shiloh, and from Samaria, 80 men with their beards shaved and their clothes torn, having cut themselves with offerings and incense in their hand to bring them to the house of the Lord. This was a display of mourning. It was unnecessary, but it was a display of mourning and an offering there because of the destruction now of Judah. Now Ishmael, verse 6. This is <laughs> oh, it's hard to read, let alone teach. Now Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, went out from Mizpah to meet them weeping as he went along. Really? And it happened as he met them that he said to them, Come to Gedaliah the son of Ahikam. So it was, verse 7, when they came into the midst of the city that Ishmael the son of Nethaniah killed them and cast them into the midst of a pit. He and the men who were with them, but 10. Now you got 80 minus 10. That means he killed 70 of the 80, but 10 men were found among them who said to Ishmael, do not kill us for we have treasures of wheat, barley, oil, and honey in the field. So he desisted and did not kill them among their brethren. Now the pit, verse 9, into which Ishmael had cast all the dead bodies of the men whom he had slain because of Gedaliah, was the same one as Asa the king had made for fear of Baasha king of Israel. Ishmael the son of Nethaniah filled it with the slain. That's a seemingly at first read a detail that you've got to wonder about and why it was included. I have a thought on that. I think what God is wanting us to see here is the extent to which the evil of man can go. There is no limit. It is uncontrolled, unchecked, unbridled evil. Just the imagery again with the detail. You've got this pit that we're told that King Asa had built and made, and this Ishmael fills it with no less than 70 of these men. That's a lot of bodies. Again, I don't mean to be so graphic. I just want you to get a picture in your mind. Verse 10, Then Ishmael carried away captive all the rest of the people who were in Mizpah, the king's daughters and all the people who remained in Mizpah, whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had committed to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam. And Ishmael the son of Nethaniah carried them away captive and departed to go over to the Ammonites. But when Jehanan, the son of Kareiah, and all the captains of the forces that were with him heard of all the evil that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had done, they took all the men, verse 12, and went to fight with Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah. Get them! 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Jeremiah is one of those books that's not the easiest to walk through in the Old Testament. It's almost like you see the train wreck that's up ahead and you want to warn them, but they just don't listen. Then you have other verses in this book that are commonly claimed, but what does it really mean in the context of what's going on? Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But if you're looking at the train wreck up ahead, you wonder, how does claiming that verse fit with exile and judgment? Ultimately, God's plan and purpose are to bring people back to himself in reliance and dependence on him, not in their own possessions or their comfort. The same could be said for you today. You may be going through something that seems like judgment or exile, but are you drawing closer to the Lord in the process? There's a future and a hope, but it may play out differently than you'd like. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Jeremiah, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com to find these messages. There are a variety of additional resources on our website. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and then come back for our next edition where Pastor J.D. will continue on in the book of Jeremiah. We look forward to that time with you here on In Spirit and Truth.